welcome to Ink and Impact, the podcast for Christian writers who want to impact their readers. I'm your host, Daylene Bickle, and each week I'll help you keep a pulse on the publishing industry, showcase Christian authors and their books, and share ways you can improve your craft and magnify your message. Whether you're a fiction or nonfiction writer, traditionally or indie published, established or just starting out, this podcast is for you. Welcome. Thank you, David Mike, for joining us today on episode How to Turn Your Difficult Experience into a Powerful Story. Um, I'm going to read his bio for you so you can get to know a little bit about him, and then we will jump into the discussion. So David Mike is a Christ follower, husband, father, author of Dishonor, One Soldier's Journey from Desertion to Redemption, and a cosmetology instructor in Omaha, Nebraska. David is passionate about sharing the message that we do not have to be defined by our past and that God can use our kind of mess for good. So this is just such a a raw type of book, I believe. And I'm so glad, David, that you are joining us today to discuss the book and also a bit about your writing journey, what you went through as you were writing it and what you're currently doing even today. Um, as far as marketing and promoting your book. So one thing that I always like to kick off the um, podcast episodes with is asking our guests, what is one book in addition to the Bible that significantly impacted you in some way, either when you were a child or more recently as an adult? I appreciate the time on your your show. And I'm glad that you asked me to talk about my story because it's one I think a lot of people need to hear. So uh, but to answer your question, there's a book that I stumbled across, uh, it, and my story is a little bit about my uh, time in prison, so kind of out of it a little bit there, but um, there was a book called Classic Christianity by Bob George, and um, I needed to hear the message that was in that book at the time of my life because I was really struggling with a lot of guilt and shame of uh, the things I had done to, to get me where I was at that time, um, and the most impactful thing that I learned from that from that book was that um, anything that I had done um, in my life was covered by uh, what Jesus did on the cross 2,000 years before I did it. And growing up in church, uh, I had heard these type of things, but I had never really put that together. And it was kind of crazy because as I started to read through the Bible, all of a sudden, it was, it's almost like somebody rewrote it mm-hmm. uh, because I could see uh, what Jesus did and how that affected me and that I no longer had to live with um, you know, the guilt and shame of my past. And I didn't have to continually keep asking for forgiveness all the time. And then I was completely forgiven once I accepted that free gift. So, so that was definitely a very powerful book for you. Yes. Very powerful. I've given it away so many times. Oh, it's crazy. Well, thank you for sharing that. And, you know, let's give our listeners a better understanding about the book that we're going to discuss. I'm going to read, if you don't mind the um, back cover of your book. Sure. Okay. Let me switch screens here. David Mike swore allegiance to his country in 1987, only to be dishonorably discharged for desertion. One bad choice after another landed him at Fort Leavenworth, a notorious military prison in Kansas, where he starts a new life as an inmate. Follow his journey as he claws his way toward Christ and away from the past that yearns to destroy him. Dishonor, one soldier's journey from desertion to redemption is a vulnerable and compelling look at a life gone wrong. With stark honesty, David gives insights into prison life and the shame that comes with living a dishonorable life. 
Through his raw, gritty personal account, he pleads for you to find the same redemption he found in his life. Wow. That, again, just reading that back cover is so powerful. And um, obviously, we want to dig into that a little bit. So what inspired you to um, write Dishonor? Uh, so if you know me now, uh, without knowing that I wrote a book or know my past or history, you, you would never know that any of that happened. And I teach cosmetology, obviously, uh, as, I, as was mentioned before, uh, some of my students and parents of students would we'd start talking about things and all of a sudden a piece of information would pop up about my past. And they're like, really, what? You know, um, I had no idea. You don't seem like the type to ever have gone through that. And so the more that that would come up in conversation, the comment, comment was always, you should write a book. And then I just kind of was thinking to myself, I've never, you know, I don't really know how that works. I, I'm not sure how to, how to write. Um, you know, it's kind of one of those kids in high school who didn't really apply themselves. So my grades weren't the best, but you know, I was intelligent enough to get out of high school. So, uh, so I just kind of worried that, you know, that, that would never happen or I wouldn't know how to make it work, but it became overwhelming. Um, and I also think that even though I was talking about my story from time to time, uh, when I was younger, it took a long time for me to mature, be mature enough to handle the gravity of putting my story out there. Uh, but definitely it was an overwhelming, you need to write a book. And so I ended up pursuing that. So did you struggle with any fears or doubts about sharing your story? Were you still, I know on your back cover, you said about shame. Was that still an issue you had to work through? Yeah, it was, it was definitely something I was worried about. The I was uh, in the army and, uh, you know, I had a, my entire family was in the military. So I had this uh, guilt and shame and just embarrassment about not having completed my military service with armed conditions. Um, and then after 9-11, my brother ended up joining, he had just joined the Air Force. He ended up going to Afghanistan four times. And just the whole world was, you know, pro-military, pro-soldier, pro, uh, you know, helping others with, with uh, using the military as a vehicle to do that. And I just, I couldn't do it if I wanted to because of what I had done with my military service. So I was a little bit nervous about putting that type of information out there uh, because I didn't know what kind of backlash I would get from people seeing me as the opposite of what was going on in, in culture. So I had to just trust God that um, if I was being led to put this story out there and for people to read it, that um, it would it would be okay. And so I, I just went for it. Mm -hmm. Yes, I'm, and we're glad that you did. So <laughs> one thing I think the listeners might be wondering is what exactly led to your um, on dishonorable discharge if you if unless that's going to give away the story because I want people to read this story it, it's very yeah. um, impactful it's, it's worth reading um, but I was looking at the um, look inside feature on your Amazon page and it gives a little bit of a hint as to what happened um, but do you want to share just a little bit touch on that yeah sure uh, I actually blogged the entire book for three years before I wrote it so the entire book was published online before it was compiled and, and um, published. And so it's interesting because I was also worried a little bit about well, if you've already read it, who's gonna read it, but if everybody bought a copy because they wanted to see the finished, obviously uh, edited and you know there was a lot of added information. But my story is that uh, even though I was uh, raised in a church and 
brought up by Christian parents and had a strong military connection because of my uh, family history. Uh, and that's something I wanted to do for my entire life. Uh, growing up, I prepared for that through taking ROTC in high school, which is like a military class. And just my goal was to be a soldier and that was it. Um, so I joined the army and uh, ended up in kind of a soured high school relationship that led me into a state of depression. I was out one night with a group of friends and ended up taking a hit of ecstasy, which up to that point, I had never taken any drugs or drinking uh, or drank alcohol or anything like that before. So it was just kind of a new experience. And the drug was so strong that it started to overtake my life. I, I ended up needing to take it more uh, every single weekend. And then, you know, even sometimes when I was at work and I think basically it, it was somewhat the drug, but also me needing to numb the pain of real life. So I was in an artificial reality by being self-medicated. But, uh, you know, being on drugs in the military doesn't work out so well. So eventually I ended up um, being under investigation from the criminal investigation division, which is like the undercover army police. Um, but at that point, um, not only was I consuming it, but I started to um, get it so easily that my friends that I was hanging out with uh, would say, hey, let's just give you the money and you go get it. So, you know, I started basically selling and moving and, and uh, moving the drugs around. And then I got caught. So once I got caught, um, the cop told me, hey, if you help us out, we'll help you out. Um, and I did not take that advice and I ended up going back right back to what I was doing. Um, got caught again. So I disappeared for six months and ran away from the army. And at that time, uh, Panama was going on. So my unit moved to Panama when I moved to Houston, Texas. So uh, hence the desertion charge. Uh, but the entire six months that I was gone, I basically sold drugs to make a living and just kept going further and further into a downward spiral. There was a lot of stuff that happened in detail, all that in the book. Um, but there was a moment uh, when uh, it was time and I was caught again, ended up in jail. And then the police officer who talked to me before decided he would help me out a little bit. And so there's a lot of stuff that went on with, with me working with them to get a little bit of a less sentence, but I ended up getting a five um, year sentence to Fort Leavenworth's uh, US Army prison. And I went there and during that time, God used that time to really get my attention. There's a few things that happened in there where God really showed up in my life uh, along me still trying to navigate life on my own terms, which worked sometimes and didn't others. Uh, got out of prison eventually, um, came to Omaha, Nebraska, and ended up going to hair school, which is a passion of mine. Uh, became a teacher and, and then eventually have a family and all that. So things worked out. There's like I said, there's a lot of detail in the books that I'm totally uh, passing by, but that's the gist of the whole story. So, right. What a, a wonderful story of hope and the amazing work that God can do in our lives, right? Even when we're not necessarily looking for it, that He can pursue us and show up for us in big and little ways. I love that story. So thank you for sharing that. Yes. Um, so since this Ink and Impact podcast is for writers, let's talk a little bit about the writing journey that you experienced. Is there a verse of scripture that maybe helped you um, shape this book? Well, there's quite a few verses um, in the classic Christianity book, and I tried to detail those without plagiarizing, obviously, but it's from the Bible. Uh, but the biggest one that stood out to me is Romans 8.1, um, where there's no condemnation uh, for those that are in Christ Jesus. And having to deal with the fact that I was condemned by the government as a criminal, as an inmate, as a dishonorably discharged soldier, um, you know, and all that goes along with that, uh, I was released from that 
from uh, with that verse, realizing that uh, Jesus doesn't look at me that way, God doesn't look at me that way, and that I am a clean uh, person in His eyes, and that was very therapeutic and um, helped me get through writing the story, even though I had to go kind of back through my past and, and write out all of the the bad stuff that I did. So, yes. So when you're writing the back cover copy, which is so compelling. And you have a phrase that says, sometimes you have to be locked up to find true freedom. That's a powerful statement. So was there just an aha moment that that's the phrase that you need to highlight or how did that come about? So uh, it, literally I was locked up. So, but a lot of people are locked up in addiction and uh, things that control them. And I think that had I not been locked up, I would not be alive. So it took me being stopped at my tracks, uh, you know, literally in prison, um, locked up to keep me from continuing on the path that I was on. And sometimes we can't help ourselves and there, God uses opportunities to, to get our attention. And definitely that was the one that I needed. Otherwise I probably wouldn't have made it out alive. Mm. Mm. So when you first launched your book, how did you hope to impact your readers? My biggest goal was uh, to, I mean, I had a kind of a side goal and so people would say, well, what was prison like? So I, I thought that would be a good draw. Uh, so I told all of the story based on my childhood and how I got there and how I ended up in there. And then what happened when I was in there. And I, if you, if you read the book, even though it's a, a Christian story, it doesn't feel like it till the very end. So I wanted to make sure that I didn't, you know, hit people in the Bible with the face right out of the gate. <laughs> and, you know, it's okay to shine your light, but you don't want to burn people with it, you know? So I, uh, you know, wanted people to be able to kind of feel like what it was like for me to go through that. But at the very end, I really wanted people to know you can be free. You don't have to live in the guilt and shame of your past uh, because of the freedom that, that God provides for you. And I wanted people to be affected by that. And um, anybody who has been through what I've been through or is going through what I went through could feel like there was light at the end of the tunnel and that they were not alone. So have you received some feedback from your readers? What, what are they saying? Have, have you, re, you know, reached that goal? Oh, definitely. And I don't want to take any credit, obviously, because it was, even though it's my story, it's his story overall, but I've been able to get books into prisons. Um, I had people who, uh, family members of children who, are, uh, children who are in prison who would reach out and say that they have a better understanding of what their child was going through. Uh, people whose family members didn't make it uh, out of addiction would mention that, it helped them kind of understand the mind of an addict and, and what they were going through. Um, I've had uh, just just lots of opportunities to speak to people about what I went through and, and how God redeemed me. And so it's been a real blessing. Uh, it's kind of cool too to kind of see where my book has ended up. Uh, sometimes when the first when the book first came out, people would take selfies of it in different areas of the world, and that was kind of cool. I didn't realize the impact and the reach that it would have, but it's it's just been an honor to to share and and have other people affected by that in even small ways sometimes. Oh, that's fabulous. We never know exactly how our books will touch people. We don't know who exactly they will reach, but God does. And he aligns those perfectly. And so that that's, that has to be just a, a wonderful feeling that yes, it's, it's, it was a difficult experience, but God has allowed you to use it for good. Yes. Thank you. So I know you mentioned that school wasn't always your favorite thing, but have you always considered yourself to be a writer? Not at all. 
I was uh, more of a storyteller. So okay. I was a military kid. When you move from one town to the next, you know, or city to the next, because I moved, you know, quite a few times uh, as a child, you start to compare stories with each other and like, well, where have you lived and what have you done? And, and you, you're constantly trying to re reinvent yourself, you know, to the next group of people so that they kind of know your history. And, and, and that's kind of how it, it works as a military kid. But um, I've told stories my whole life and I seem to have gotten myself into a lot of situations that, um, you know, were either like the one I wrote about or some funny stories. And so um, I think I would say more of a storyteller. And so it was a struggle for me to actually write. I joined a Facebook group, uh, John Acuff started um, called the Start Experiment. And I said, I think I want to write my story. And there was about 3000 people in this group originally. And they were from all walks of life. All of a sudden, everybody just started reaching in and helping out with advice on how to go forward with that. And it's just been insane since then. So I'm I'm thankful that I, I took that plunge and joined that group um, yeah. because otherwise I don't know if I had a book, book would have ever come to fruition. So. so did you choose to traditionally publish or self-publish? I chose to self-publish so that I could have a little bit more control over the book. In order to get into a prison, uh, it, it has to come from the publisher, but I have control over the rights and all that. I also chose a softback cover because uh, coincidentally you can't send hardback books to prison. So there's just a little bit more control over it. Um, you know, I wouldn't mind being picked up by a, a traditional publisher at this point, but mm -hmm. I haven't really pursued it, so. Right, right. So your book isn't a brand new release. How have you continued to grow your readership and reach your audience over the years? I use social media as the main source of getting this, the book out there. Um, now that it's been about six years and I've exhausted probably all of my uh, social network, um, I do, from time to time, post anniversary type items. Like it's been 30, I, I just recently, last year was my 30th year of being sober. And so things like that, I would use as, as a vehicle to, to bring the book up again. But I do kind of have a little bit of a captive audience at the hair school. So uh, you know, there are students that come through and they're like, you wrote a book and suddenly they're interested. And so there's a little bit of that. And then just anybody who has read it, who has felt compelled to, to share that story has done that for me. And I'm super grateful for the community that surround themselves around me and my book and, and help me get the word out there. So, you know, it's not um, as, it's not being purchased as much as it was when it first came out, but I think I have um, surpassed the life expectancy of a self-published book by several years and I'm super thankful. Yes, that's great. So how have you seen God at work in your writing journey? Uh, the first way I would say is that actually having to rewrite or write my story and go back, re go through my life, it, it kind of put where I am into perspective. So it helped me realize the relationship that God has with me um, and, and where I am in my life now, had I not, I mean, basically God chased me down because I was running from him big time. And so I, I don't think I realized the pain and suffering that I was causing everybody around me and, and the things I was doing to myself. So it was really eye-opening to go through all of that over again, but also just really the, the impact that, especially when the first book first came out, the impact that um, it had on people who read it, it was just, I was just blown away. Um, and so I'm thankful that God has used me for a vehicle to sh share about his grace and redemption. Mm, absolutely. So what's one writing tip or encouragement that you can share with our listeners, particularly ones who are thinking about writing about a difficult topic? Um, specifically about a difficult topic, I think this, the fear would be 
I'm outing myself and I'm going to be putting, you know, something that's not comfortable um, out there. But one of the things I noticed that when I first released the book, people would come up to me and say, hey, I went through the same thing. And I'm like, oh, I had no idea. And then we'd talk about it. So uh, they would tell me that they were thankful that they weren't alone. They didn't realize that I had gone through something like that. So I would say you don't really know who you're going to help. Um, and if you keep it to yourself and don't put it out there, uh, you're missing an opportunity of helping other people. So I would, I would say just do it, <laughs> put it mm -hmm. out there. Um, I do have another piece of advice. I would say just reach out for help because I, if I hadn't had the, the village that came around me and, and helped me write and you know edit and just so many different aspects. Um, I mean, there's a lot that goes into putting out a book and I had no idea, but it just, it just all came together. So I think God, number one, worked that worked through that for me, uh, but just the community of people that when I reached out and said, hey, I need help and they were willing to do it, it was just amazing. Yes. So being willing to share your story is step number one and to turn that difficult experience into a powerful story, if I'm hearing you correctly, is just telling your story honestly and allowing mm -hmm. God to work through that. Is that correct? Yes. And you can change the names of everybody in the book if you need to, if it's something like that. I, I used my own name and my family's name, but I changed the name of everybody else in the book to protect the guilty and the innocent. So, Yes. Good idea. Yes. So where can our listeners learn, learn more about you and Dishonor, the book? So my, uh, my website is dilemmamike.com. It's D-I-L-E-M-M-A. M-I-K-E.com. Uh, and then all of my social media handles is Dilemma Mike. So you can find me on Facebook and Twitter, Instagram, all of all the socials uh, at the Dilemma Mike. Yes. And the book is on Amazon. Are there any other yes. preferred sites, that selling sites? Um, that is it. I have okay. it on Amazon. There's a copy of it. That's what yes. it looks like. Wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Well, thank you so much for joining us, David. I so appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much for allowing me to use your platform. On this week's industry update, did you know that June is audiobook month? I just learned this nugget of info, so I thought I'd share some current industry stats about them, even though in full disclosure, I have never yet listened to a single audiobook. According to the Audio Publishers Association, there was a 25% rise in American audiobook revenue in 2021. So that totaled $1.6 billion. In fact, audiobooks have experienced a full decade of double-digit growth with nearly 74,000 titles, audiobook titles, being published in 2021 alone. This next stat was particularly fascinating and I'm quoting here, listeners continue to prefer professional narration over author-read books, although the information provided to the press doesn't specify whether this is true for nonfiction, in which the tradition of an author-read audiobook is well-established, end quote. I know a lot of business books and self-help books, um, the authors do read their own, and it's a cost-saving, too, for those of us who are self-publishing. So I just found that was interesting that if you're writing fiction, listeners tend to prefer professional narration. And since I've never listened to an audiobook, I don't personally have a preference. I'd love to know what you think if you've listened to audiobooks, if you like professional narration over the author narration. But going on, 
this was a um, it wasn't an overly lengthy article um, where I found all this information, but it was full of little stats that I just thought were so interesting. Another one was daily audiobook listeners spend more time listening to books than any other form of audio, including radio, podcasts, and more. And on average, they spend six hours and 34 minutes listening per day. I thought that was really a long time. Um, I wasn't quite sure if that meant they were just listening to the audiobooks for six hours or if that included audiobooks and podcasts and radio and everything. I'm not quite sure about that. But either way, they're consuming a lot of audio, right? They have their earbuds in a lot during the day. So while it sounds like audiobooks are really, really, really taking off, and they are growing, uh, but in the grand scheme of book sales, audiobooks still only comprise a small sliver of the market share. So I wanted to um, point out to you that they concluded their article with this as well. According to the Association of American Publishers, only 6 to 9% of sales are audiobooks, which is roughly the equivalent of 10% ebook sales. And that surprised me. I thought ebooks had a larger market share than only 10%. The vast majority of book sales continue to be paperback. They're coming at about 37%, and hardcover slightly lower at 32%. And if you tally all of that up, those percentages don't equate to a full 100%. There are a few other varieties of books that are sprinkled into the study um, by the Association of American Publishers. But that gives you a good idea as an author that, yes, print is still king. Uh, paperback and hardcover are still going strong. But that doesn't mean that we should ignore ebooks or audiobooks, right? Um, I think it would be a good idea for us to incorporate all of the um, publishing methods so that we can reach the most readers. Because, um, you know, just like here with podcasts, most people listen to them, but some people also like to read the show notes. So I put together the show notes on my website, incanimpact.com. Some people like to visually watch. So I put guest author interviews over on YouTube as well, because I'm recording the interviews in Zoom anyway. I have that footage. Why not share it, right? So as authors, we should think about all these things and consider where our target readers gravitate to most and put that first and foremost as the publishing platform for our particular audience, but then also go wide and reach as many as possible. So if you'd like to read this article for yourself, um, to read the full report and additional stats, um, read the article titled Audio Publishers Association, U.S. 2021 Audiobook Revenues Up 25%, and that can be found at publishingperspectives.com. And again, um, that link will be in the show notes on my website. Listener opportunities. So if you've been listening to the past couple of episodes, I have um, been sharing ways that you can contact me um, about your you know, questions and suggestions about this podcast, but also um, some great opportunities for you. So I love to interact with fellow writers, especially you, my listeners. 
So I've created a few ways, additional ways, for us to connect and engage with each other. And from time to time, I'll share some incredible opportunities and resources with you. So here's what's available now. And if you didn't realize this, there is a book giveaway going on. Uh, be sure to listen to episode three with my guest Melanie Red for all the details on how you can be entered for a chance to win a signed copy of her new book, Just Rest, a 90-day devotional. But you need to hurry because the deadline to enter is June 30th, 2022. So that's coming up soon. Also, I want to make you aware of the Inkwell, my live virtual co-writing sessions for Christian writers happening every Wednesday. For more details and to secure your free seat, click the link in this episode's show notes at inkandimpact.com. And also, for you listeners, I have a question of the month running. So back in episode two, I discussed the current trend of books becoming shorter, as in having fewer pages. And this led me to wonder, do you typically write short books under 400 pages or long books more than 400 pages? And have you ever considered whether your readers prefer longer or shorter books? Let me know. Send me an email to info at inkandimpact.com by June 30th, 2022, and I'll share your responses on a future episode. I've already gotten um, a couple of emails, and I would love to hear from all of you. So again, send your email to info at inkandimpact.com. Be sure to tune in next week because I will be speaking about research and narrowing your niche with my guest, Dawn Klinge. Dawn is the author of Sorrento Girl, Biltmore Girl, and Palmer Girl. These romantic historical fiction novels are part of her historic hotel collection and are written for both adults and teens. You don't want to miss it, so be sure to subscribe below to be notified when the next episode drops, view full show notes with links, and listen to past episodes. If you're already a subscriber, thank you. Please do me a favor, if you would, and recommend this podcast to your writing friends. It's just simple word of mouth is all I'm asking for, and it would really help me. So I appreciate that. That's it for today, fellow pen pusher. Remember, don't just write a book, make an impact. <laughs>